waiting, why don't you join us for worship? Greet someone behind you, beside you, in front of you. Thank you, Jesus. God is good, amen? Amen. I'll raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. I'll raise a hallelujah louder than the unbelief. I'll raise a
Thank you, Jesus. Glory to your name. Glory to you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 You're a mighty God, mighty in power, mighty in mercy. Hallelujah. We worship you. We glorify your name. We magnify your name. Hallelujah. You are over all. <laughs> Thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in Christ. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You always cause us a triumph. Hallelujah. We rejoice in you. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Many are more who are with us than who are with them. Many are more. Greater is he. Greater is he that is in us. Jesus, we thank you for your presence here today. In our lives, in, 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 in us as individuals. But, oh Lord, in this place as we gather together, we thank you for your presence. Hallelujah. And Jesus, we rejoice that you are the head of the church. You are the head. Hallelujah. In you there is no darkness. In you there is no defeat. But it is light and it is glory and strength and victory and joy and peace. And we are in you and you are in us. And we are one with each other. You are the head and we are the body. And we thank you, O oh Lord, for Christ in us, the hope of glory. Thank you for ministering to each heart today, Father. Teach us, reveal to us, lead us. We acknowledge you, O oh Lord, as our Lord. Lord over us, Lord over our lives. And we thank you. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. If you can agree with that, say amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah to Jesus. Strong presence of Jesus here today. Thank God. Hallelujah. Um, Let's see, Jessica, why are you so happy today? Her name, because she's here, she said, but she's no longer Jessica Brooks. She's Jessica Baker. 
<laughs> so she's been gone for a few weeks with her wedding and her honeymoon. And where's John? Oh, he's smiling extra big too back there. Anyway, we're so happy for them. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. And we have a friend visiting with us today. This lady right here in the yellow jacket. I don't know. You know, she's... Her husband, Gary, he's now been in heaven for five years. Gary Winden, and this is Linda, his wife. And Gary used to minister for us, um, I think when we were out of town even, and different times. And he would come to the church all the time when we were on Watney, him and his friend John, John Stinson. And, and John and, and Gary and my husband, they were three buddies. And so anyway, it's just wonderful that Linda is here with us today. You guys make sure and tell her that you're glad to see her, even if you don't know her. And just make her feel like she's, you know, part of the family, which she is. And we're glad that Gary is watching in, in the service today with the, in the grandstands of heaven with us. Amen. Praise the Lord. It's great to have her here. Praise the Lord. And so uh, we're going to invite you to um, greet a few people before you're seated today. We're going to dismiss the kids and the youth to youth takeover. You can go in the back door there. Miss Karina's there and she will lead you to your class. Praise the Lord. And for those of you who are worshiping with us online today, we're so glad that you joined us. We know that you're going to be blessed and ministered to. Praise the Lord. Well, can I embarrass you guys too? Do you guys mind? I just, you know, you have to check your phone when you're doing announcements because people are telling you things, you know. Uh, you don't have to shout it out anymore. People will tell you, people will text you things. So anyway, Curtis and Rebecca Johnson are here today. We're so glad that they're here. We love them so much. Curtis was raised in our church from a little boy. Yeah, and now he has a little boy, right? Girl, I'm so sorry. You know, it's dark back there. I can't see. <laughs> She's too young. You can't tell at that age anyway. Anyway, it's great to have you guys worshiping with us. Praise the Lord. Curtis is outgoing, so I don't think he minds if I embarrass him like that. Praise the Lord. Uh, so uh, if you're visiting with us today for the first time, in the seat pocket in front of you, you're going to find a Connect card. If you would just fill that out real quickly and put it in the offering. We'd like to know that you are here today. If you have a prayer request or any needs at all, just uh, or want to communicate with us, you can just also fill out that Connect card and let us know about it. Praise the Lord. Well, it's good to be home. Um, Brother uh, Keith Hershey uh, ministered last week, and uh, we listened to his message. What a blessing he is. Amen. What a blessing. They, he, Keith and Heidi have been uh, dear friends of ours for many decades now. And um, it's just wonderful to uh, have friends in the ministry who are people of not only who preach the truth and who preach the word, but we know their lives and we know that they're people of integrity. And um, so we're so thankful that he ministered in Pastor Mike's um, absence last week. We were on vacation. Our family was on vacation. And a number of you said we were praying that we, you guys 
would have a restful time, and we certainly did. Um, it was just a wonderful time to get away, which is necessary for us all. Jesus did it. And just to pull back and to rest and to rest our bodies and our minds and uh, to recharge, praise the Lord. So um, thank you for, for your prayers for us and for our church staff for keeping everything going while we were gone. Um, we're just going to let you know of one thing that's coming up in a few weeks. Um, on August the 13th, we're going to have an indoor church picnic. And um, I like the idea of indoor, don't you? We are, um, we are California people and we're used to perfection when it comes to weather. I mean, you know, if it's just a little humid or a little warm, we're like, oh, oh my. And so, um, at least I am, <laughs> at least I'm that way. And so uh, we're gonna have an indoor church picnic. Um, we're gonna have a hot dog bar with all the fixings for a hot dog. And we just ask you if you'll bring either a side dish a side dish and or a dessert. Um, we'll have a great time of fellowship together after the morning service on August the 13th. Praise the Lord. Uh, the ushers are going to come forward and we're going to uh, receive our tithes and offering at this time. There's envelopes in front of you in the uh, uh, seats. Uh, you can also give electronically and the information is on the screens. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. It's good to be able to give. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we are joyous, happy, prompt to do it givers, as your word says. We rejoice, Father, that we can bring to you the first fruits of our increase and give tithes and offerings. We thank you, Lord, that you we are blessed. You increase us more and more, us and our children, and you bless us so that we can be a blessing. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. We worship you with our giving. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, why don't you join us for this last song after you've been given the opportunity to give?
confession this is our year of jubilee we expect manifestations of the holy ghost and power we believe for financial miracles and miracles of healing in jesus name amen hallelujah lord we bless your name we thank you father for all that you've done for us we thank you for the greater things that are yet to come. Bless you, Holy Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. I'm going to start in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. After God had created the earth and all the wonderful things in it, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Genesis 1.26 is 
given to us to show the purpose of God in the creation of the earth. God created man for one and only one purpose, and that was for him to have dominion over the work of God's hands. Folks, if dominion was God's original purpose for man, then it's still his purpose today. God hasn't changed his mind. He cannot lie. And there's no place else in the Bible that's so clear and so specific as to God's purpose for mankind. If authority was God's original purpose, then it is his present day purpose. And I guess we could say that there's nothing more important for the children of God to know than to know the authority that was vested in us. But how many people, how many churches will be teaching today on man's authority? For it to be stated in such a way to identify for us the importance of knowing who we are in Christ Jesus and to know what God's plan and purpose for us is. But I think the percentage of people in the body of Christ and the majority of the churches present day here in our country and around the world. It seems to me that most Christians are in the dark when it comes to the things that the Bible tells us about authority. Now we see that authority was made up of the teaching of authority made up a big part of Jesus' ministry. We see over in Matthew chapter 7, verse 28, and it came to pass when Jesus had ended these things, the people were astonished at his doctrine. Notice they were astonished at his doctrine, not astonished at him. For he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Notice in verse 29, the word one is in italics. That means the translators added it to give us greater understanding or their attempt at least to give us greater understanding of what was taking place, what took place in Jesus' ministry. But the word as is the word how. How? 
And the word having means to hold. So this verse of scripture really should read, they were astonished at his doctrine for he taught them how to hold authority and not as the scribes. The very next chapter, Matthew chapter 8, tells us about a centurion, a Roman soldier, who came to Jesus with a request. His servant needed healing. And so he came to Jesus to obtain that healing. So it's obvious that he must have heard of Jesus and the great things that were taking place in Jesus' ministry. But when Jesus agreed to go to his house and minister to his servant, he stopped him, the centurion stopped him, and simply said, speak the word only, and my servant will be healed. He explained that he understood authority, and authority was something that was of great significance to him because of the position as a soldier that he held. And Jesus said, Behold, I have not found so great faith, not in Israel. Now, this man, the centurion, had to have heard of Jesus. We see that he has great faith according to Jesus' estimation. Well, the Bible says in Romans 10, 17, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. So this man has heard of Jesus. He's familiar with his his ministry of healing. And if this man obtained and exercised great authority because of his faith, then I guess we would have to say that Jesus' ministry and the teaching, and again, remember, in verse 28, it says they were astonished at his doctrine not at him. And so Jesus' doctrine, Jesus' teaching brought the centurion to a place of great faith. So Jesus must have done a significant amount of teaching on authority if that's what was produced in the lives of those who followed him. And God gave us a book, a whole great big book that tells us about how God led, appeared to and led mankind into that place of authority. 
we see in the Old Testament how God dealt with Moses. He appeared to him in a, a bush that was on fire but not consumed. He told Moses to go to Pharaoh and say, let my people go. And Moses was hesitant, resistant to begin with. But God in his dealing with Moses asked him what was in his hand. And he had a rod that was a, a shepherd's tool. So God told him to throw it down on the ground and he did and it turned into a snake and then God said take it back up and so he grabbed it by the tail and it turned back into the, the rod or the big stick and Moses used that rod to exercise authority over physical laws and physical conditions. That rod was a sign of the authority that God had given man. Moses used that rod to turn the Nile River into blood. He used it to turn the dust of the ground into locusts. He used it to create frogs. And all of these things were judgments of God against the gods of Egypt. Finally, Pharaoh lets the people go, but then he changes his mind and he sends his army out after the children of Israel to destroy them for the destruction that they had brought upon the land of Egypt. And so they come to a place where they're hemmed in by mountains on two sides, and in front of them, the Red Sea and so Moses calms the people down. They're agitated and afraid of what's going to happen. It looks like it's going to be a, a short, quick fight to destroy them all. But Moses calms them down and then turns to God and says, God, what are we supposed to do? And God rebukes him. He said, what are you looking to me for? Well, the answer is pretty clear. We would think that Moses was certainly right in going to God for uh, directions or instructions of what to do next. But God simply tells him, stretches, stretch the rod out over the water. Here's the sign that Moses had used 
in bringing the plagues upon Egypt. But God seems to be saying that since he put Moses in charge, it's up to Moses to exercise his authority to save and to deliver the people of Israel. Folks, the Bible paints a picture of God working with man, not just dictating terms. but to be a co-partner with mankind to bring about his will on the earth. Moses leads the children of Israel into and through the wilderness for 40 years. And then Joshua takes over And God is with Joshua just like he was with Moses. The Bible gives us example after example of people that committed their lives to God and saw the deliverance and the delivering power of God work in their lives. We see the story in Daniel chapter 3 of the three Hebrew children that grew up in Nebuchadnezzar's house who refused to bow down before the image, the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar had made of himself. And they were thrown into the fiery furnace, but the fire had no power over them. They had authority over the, over the power of the fire. We see again in Jesus' ministry where he exercised authority over sickness and disease. We see Jesus giving us his name for the purpose, the single purpose of exercising authority and breaking the power of the devil. Now, just as Genesis 1 is very clear about man's purpose on the earth. The Bible tells us about his about man's fall into sin in Genesis chapter 3 where they disobey God and give attention to the temptation of the devil. And as a result, 
God says in chapter 3, Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, this is part of the curse of disobedience. God said, and I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. Now, folks, I believe, you judge this for yourself, but I believe that God gave us record of mankind's disobedience and rebellion for us to know and realize the curse and the extent of the curse of disobedience. Just as Genesis 1.26 tells us man's original and present day purpose for man to have and exercise authority over the earth, he then tells us what the original consequence would become. Look at all the things that are taking place in, in the world today at the end of the last days it seems that the devil's war against mankind has certainly increased We live in a time where almost half of the people in our country won't even admit what a woman is. It used to be, not so very long ago, that the work of the devil was limited to homosexuality. But now, this transgender stuff is set apart as a, as a, with the purpose of normalizing sex with children. Our 
Paul wrote to Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. This word perilous means dangerous, but it also means strength reducing. And in the last days, there will many things take place that will reduce the strength of believers. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. There are several things in there that reference the destruction of the family, disobedience to parents. And in chapter, in verse 3, without natural affection, I think a, a lot of times, or a good part of the church, have assigned that to homosexuality. But that's not what it means. It means without natural affection for your family. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3, it says, Thou therefore endure hardness, as a good soldier of Jesus Christ, no man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who has chosen him to be a soldier. When I was a teenager, in Vietnam was coming to an end and there were prisoners of war that were released and there was a, a general who had been a prisoner of war for many years and I saw an interview I don't know if it's 60 minutes or something like that, but I saw an interview of him. And the interviewer asked him about the people that were released along with him from the prisoner of war camps. And somehow or another, the discussion came to light about the type of people that were released as opposed to those that died in their cells. And he said something that caught my attention. Now, at the time, I wasn't aware 
of the power of God's word. And I was, I was uh, saved. I got saved when I was young. But he said something. He said the guys that didn't make it were the ones that were looking for their deliverance to come. They would talk together and some would say that the government, the U.S. government would come and get them before Christmas or before some other time that they had in mind. He said those guys didn't make it because when their deadline came and nothing took place, it would send them into these fits of depression and it made them subject to special punishment. He said the ones that made it were the ones that said, this is our life now. We can't trust in the government to come get us or to set us free. He said those were the guys that were strong enough to withstand the, um, the torture and the mistreatment by the Viet Cong. Now, I didn't know much about the Bible when I heard these things, but one of the scriptures that this general who was a Christian referred to was this in, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3, endure hardness as a good soldier. Folks, we have, I think it's a responsibility that is incumbent upon us to understand and to be settled in the what seems to be a dichotomy of the Word of God because God has promised to Abraham and the Bible tells us that that promise of Abraham, the blessing of Abraham belongs to us now too. And the blessing of Abraham shows God as our partner in life. The Holy Spirit is our guide and Jesus is our savior. But there are some, most notable of those that I'm talking about being Paul. Paul was persecuted 
He was imprisoned on several occasions. So on one hand, it looks like we've got the Bible identified for us as the source of victory in every area of life, and that's true. But there are also times and situations and maybe even people that the Bible instructs us to endure hardness as a good soldier. Paul's relating of his own experience is interesting in this respect. His first letter to Timothy talks about the, the conflict that he has. He's already decided that he would prefer to die and go to heaven, but it wouldn't be best for the church and those that followed him. So he decides that he's going to stay a little longer here on the earth. But by the time he writes the second letter to Timothy, he's decided that he's ready to go to die from this life and to go and be with Jesus. Now the historical record that we have about Paul makes clear that when the time of his execution was at hand and he was facing the heading He asked, he requested from the soldiers that were keeping him that they not put him in chains to send him to his execution. And apparently he was so well thought of by those that were keeping him captive that they allowed him to go without chains. Now you could well understand that their experience with prisoners would be that the prisoners would try to escape and that's the reason why they were kept in bond. But when Paul's time to be martyred came, he ran from the soldiers that were escorting him. But he didn't run to get away. He ran to the place where he would be beheaded. And there were um, little stone um, 
Well, they would kneel the person being executed next to it, and they would put their head on this stone and then bring the axe down on their neck and decapitate them. But Paul didn't run away from the soldiers trying to escape. He ran to this block, this stone, and he willingly put his head in place and waited for them to end his life. Now, Paul prayed for the Galatians concerning the blessing of Abraham. He said in Galatians 3.13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Now he's talking about Jesus' substitutionary sacrifice for us. But he goes on in verse 14 of Galatians 3. To say that the blessing of Abraham is the reason why Jesus willingly offered his life for us. Took our death upon himself. But it didn't look like Paul had too much of the blessing of Abraham going on in his life because of the persecution and the suffering that he endured while it was here on the earth. I find myself in a little bit of that same situation. I preach Jesus offering up his blood as the saving grace of God. In my own situation, I'm not exactly sure how God is going to want me to teach. Because my situation has been ongoing for about 13 years now. And I really hesitate to, to teach. Believe God for your healing like me. And after 13 years, maybe it'll work for you too. 
is a, a statement that's attributed to Smith Wigglesworth, who was called the Apostle of Faith and who had the gift of faith operating in him to such a tremendous degree that there were many people that were raised from the dead in his ministry. There were many occasions where miraculous healings occurred. And he said, if you wait till you need faith to get it, you're too late. And that has been ringing in my heart for some time now. We see that the devil's operations are increasing. And as such, I encourage you not to wait some sickness is diagnosed but begin to speak God's word concerning healing for your body even if it seems like there's nothing wrong I believe that in these last days the glorious church will be those who are living by the word of God, not because they have to, but because they believe that the word is true. There are things that I have to remind myself of symptoms of sickness and disease that have been relieved if you've been with us throughout this time one of the first things that I had to deal with, one of the first symptoms I had to deal with was an inability to breathe. The way that Parkinson's attacks the body and I ought to make sure to say this, just about every symptom known to man is a part of Parkinson's. There are 
symptoms that came early on in the offset. And one of those was breathing We think of breathing as being an involuntary action of the body just because of the disruption of certain hormones in the body. I had to think to breathe Now, I don't know if you understand this or not, but that can kind of mess up your sermons. But I took the word and claimed victory from it. And over a period of time, the breathing was restored, the involuntary action of breathing was restored. Now that, probably to my understanding, more than any of the other symptoms, is the one that the doctors will tell you can never change. But God's word is faithful, or God is faithful to watch over his word, we should say. And there are loads of symptoms that I never spoke about. And you get to a certain point, and it's like, what benefit is there of talking about any of it? But I'm still overcoming symptoms. And for me, it's been a one-by-one progression. The latest, the most recent, was something that took me by surprise. Probably five or six years ago, I was praying, not really praying about anything specifically, just fellowshipping with the Lord. And I was praying in other tongues. And I spoke these words out in English. The fear is not of me. And it surprised me 
And so I spent some time thinking about it, talking to the Lord about it. From the time that I went to Bible school, I was like a sponge when it came to the Word of God. But my cognitive abilities had declined. I couldn't remember scriptures. Things that I had made a part of my spiritual life were lost to memory. And I guess that since I felt inadequate and couldn't remember things that used to come so easily to me, I would come to church having done more study, more preparation than ever before. But I knew I was unprepared. And I realized, and I'm almost embarrassed to say that it took God bringing it to me in this manner for me to recognize that I was afraid. I was afraid I'd get in church and not have anything to say. I was afraid that I would lose my thought pattern to whatever I believed that the Lord wanted me to minister. And so I began meditating on different scriptures. The one that meant the most to me was Isaiah 41.10. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. And so that became one of my go-to scriptures for several years. But last, well, not next, not last Sunday, but the Sunday before last, I was in church. ministering the word and all of a sudden the fear left I'm not afraid of you any longer
You think I'm kidding, but I'm not. God's word is true. No matter what we feel, no matter what we're experiencing, no matter how long we experience it, I am so grateful for how God has stood with me for 13 years. One of the things God told me along the way, and this was early on, it may be because I wasn't able to think or to remember as I used to, but there were scriptures that I had been confessing for many years before this stuff even started. And it, it was, God would sometimes, usually right as I woke up in the morning, there's that place between awake and asleep. And God would speak scriptures to me Scriptures that I already knew, scriptures that I had made a part of my my life. But one of them was Psalm 103, who redeemeth thy life from destruction. One of the blessings of Abraham is that your enemies will come at you one way, but will flee from you seven ways. I took that to mean that there will be physical recognition for any and every symptom that's attached itself to my body.
Paul wrote to Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2. Preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. There's a lot of people in the last days, a lot of Christians, a lot of churches that are going to turn their back on the truth of God's word. One of the things that we can see and recognize areas that the church will turn their back on the truth of the word. Some churches or some Christians will get caught up in the social justice, so-called social justice thing. And the result will be that those people caught up will be divided by racism. Another part of the church will be caught up in this transgender action and others will be caught up in the old faithful gossip just believing the worst based on rumors and lies But the answer is the same. Preach the word. The time is coming, and I believe we've already entered into a, a phase of this. We've just come through in the last several years this COVID pandemic. But that's not the only pandemic that will come. And for that reason, if none other, That's the reason why it's so important for you to begin to build into your own spirit faith in God's word for healing. Christians and churches that don't align themselves 
with scriptures that tell us about God's will to heal, along with his power to heal, those churches will be swept aside and carried away with the pandemics that are yet to come. It's never been more important for you and I to build our lives on the word. It's never been more necessary for us to accept Jesus as our healer along with accepting him as our savior. You'll have to forgive me. I'm just enjoying not being afraid. Amen, sister. Hallelujah. Also, Timothy, that in the last days, seducing spirits and doctrines of devils will arise, 
He said there will be churches that will not endure sound doctrine. That's not going to be us. Sound doctrine. That word sound in its root form means not moved by emotion. Let's all stand together. And just draw a circle around you and, and Jesus. Let's just lift our hands and worship him. We worship you, Lord. Magnify your holy name. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. That name of Jesus is to us as Moses' rod. We worship you, Father. We thank you that this is the day, this is the time that you will lift the burden from our shoulders and take the yoke off our neck and the yoke should be destroyed because of the anointing. Father, we believe we received that anointing to heal every sick person in our church and among those that consider themselves part of this church family. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.
Bless you, Father. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Say it with me, for the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Amen. Amen. God bless you, folks. Hold on a second. I forgot one announcement today that is is for today. Hold on just a moment. Hallelujah. Okay. Uh, Today is um, World Day Against Trafficking. And um, I think Pastor Chip mentioned it would uh, let you guys know several weeks ago about that uh, movie that's out. Uh, uh, Sound of Freedom. And how many of you have seen that movie, Sound of Freedom? Great movie. If you haven't seen it, highly recommend that you do. It's a, a true story about sex traffic, uh, sex trafficking, and um, it's just a, it's a great movie in any way. Anyway, today is World Day Against Trafficking. And so this evening at 6 o'clock at Salt Creek Beach, there's going to be a candlelight um, prayer service there. Of course, the sun doesn't set till 8.15, so <laughs> anyway, but at Salt Creek Beach tonight at 6 o'clock, uh, churches are coming together and going to um, pray regarding that, so we just wanted to let you know. Thank you. Let me leave you with one more word of encouragement. Do you know what the top-selling Christian music album is right now it's authored by a drag queen I too those things are accelerating and we have to be ready for it before it comes As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. God bless you, folks. Love you.